Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. You know, here at Ministry Watch, we bring you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. Regular listeners to the program know that every Friday we do a weekly roundup of the top stories for that week. But a few months ago, we started a midweek episode that we call the Ministry Watch Extra episode. Uh, These Ministry Watch Extra episodes are a chance for us to go deep, you might say, with our editorial partners. And I'm pleased to have one of those editorial partners back with us, Julie Royce. Uh, Julie Royce runs the Royce Report, an investigative journalism website. Uh, She also has a podcast of her own of the same name, the Royce Report. So, Julie, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Warren. Great to be with you. You know, Julie and I are going to do something just a little bit different today, a little special, I think. This is the week before Christmas and our last Ministry Watch podcast episode of the year. So uh, we're going to go down the list of the top 10 stories of the year as judged mostly (laughs) by you, the (laughs) listeners and readers of the Ministry Watch website. But Julie uh, brings her own list to the table, and she's uh, taken the viewers to her website into account, but also is going to be using some judgment as she puts her list together. And also, we've got some similarities, but also some surprising differences on our list, and we'll kind of weigh in as we go along and count down these stories. Um, So, Julie, even though our lists are a bit different, we covered a lot of the same stories. And in fact, you broke a lot of these stories, and I'm really grateful for your work this year. Oh, well, thank you. And yeah, it was a wild year. Sometimes you wish you didn't have these stories to break, right? Because a lot of them aren't the best news, but uh, important that we get the truth out there and and the truth in people's hands so that they can uh, make wise and informed decisions. So yeah, um, it was a very, very eventful year for sure. Well, you know, that's right. I mean, you know, like you say, we don't always love reporting these stories, but, uh, you know, the Bible says the truth will set us free. And if, the, you know, the truth is the truth, and it will always set us free. We have we have the, the testimony of Scripture for that. So that's the reason that, to be honest with you, I sleep pretty well at night whenever I report <laughs> some of these stories, because, you know, if they're true, um, I know that they have a liberating effect on, um, you know, on the church and on the world. So, there you have it. That's just kind of where I stand, and I know that's where you stand, too, on Absolutely. these matters. Um, you know, Julie, before we jump into the countdown, I want to mention a couple of stories that did not make our top 10 list, and I don't think they um, made your top 10 list as well. I've looked at it, and and I know, like I say, they're a little bit different, but I'm going to just mention a couple of these. One of them is the story of Eric Metaxas punching an anti-Trump protester in front of the White House. That story ended up being number 11 on our list. It just barely missed being in the top 10. David Jeremiah's triumphal return to the National Religious Broadcasters after being sort of ostracized from the ECFA and from that group for a number of years came in at number 12. And all the controversy surrounding James McDonald, at least for us, was number 13 uh, for the year. Now, I know James McDonald stories were the ones that you broke because you're there in the Chicagoland area. I I guess I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't rank a little bit higher on my list. I'm assuming they probably are higher on your list. Yeah, we haven't actually put together our top 10 in 
matters of news judgment. I've compiled sort of, here are our single stories that got the most views for the year. And sometimes those aren't necessarily the most important stories. And if you put together, like James McDonald, I probably uh, published dozens of stories on James McDonald. Right. Um, so if you put those all together, that's been a very big story, especially in the Chicago area. And it continues to be a big story. But I think if we if you look at just the single stories with the top views this past year on the Roy's report, uh, there's not a McDonald's story that's in the top 10 of a single story getting the most views. I think number 11 is uh, James McDonald when he listed his home for $1.9 million and it looked like he was going to move to the West Coast. Um, he got in an, uh, an actual like RV and went and parked it in the parking lot of Calvary Church South Bay there in the uh, LA area and started preaching there. And so everybody was thinking, oh, he's he's moving to to that church and is going to set up shop there. But, you know, a few weeks later, he came back to the Chicago area, settled with Harvest Bible Chapel, their arbitration that he had brought against them. He got about two and a half million when you put everything together out of that arbitration settlement. And now it looks like not only James McDonald is back in Chicago and trying to relaunch his ministry, but also his son Luke has returned and is planting a church. And I, I believe I've been told that James McDonald has a non-compete clause in his arbitration agreement with Harvest, which may keep him from planting a church for a year, but uh, there is some sort of speculation that his son is planting and he'll be back into that church before too long, but we'll have to see. It just doesn't go away, unfortunately. No, right. He'll he'll be the guest preacher in his son's church every Sunday or something like that. So, <laughs> but 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 Julia, yeah, no, you made a good distinction here. Yeah, my list of the top ten really, I'm taking into account sort of the highest ranking stories. But so, for example, we've got uh, we did a lot of stories on John MacArthur, a lot of stories on Ravi Zacharias, uh, for example, uh, and a lot of stories on Jerry Falwell. If you aggregated all of them, I don't know which one would be at number one, but probably one of those. But we're just listing at least on my list, the top. So with all of that duly stipulated, let's jump into uh, the top 10 list, at least as it um, it was identified by the page views over here at Ministry Watch. And Julie, you can jump in and kind of uh, offer your running commentary and maybe where they fell on your list as well in some cases. Number 10 on the list was uh, the meltdown at Willow Creek Community Church, another Chicago area uh, story, a meltdown that actually began a couple of years ago. It sort of culminated uh, in the church naming you a new pastor in April. Uh, Julie, once again, you broke a lot of the Willow Creek story, so I guess it's no surprise to you that the Willow Creek stories ended up on the list. No, I'm not at all. And again, this is one of those stories that just keeps developing. Um, Dave Dummett came in, uh, took over the position senior pastor. Now he's done a major uh, re-centralizing of everything. So they have several campuses, and now they're going to be centralized in the main campus. Uh, they fired, Willow Creek has fired a lot of the staff at some of these other campuses. Uh, a lot of the staff have resigned at these other campuses. The most recent story I published on Willow Creek is that one of the pastors, who it looks like one of the campus pastors that was pushed out, happens to be a female pastor, and she's really, I mean, obviously wasn't very happy with things, so she resigned. And it looks like about a 1,000 of a campus of like 2,500 people that go to Willow Creek North Shore are now planting a new church with this, you know, re, this pastor who's resigned. Um, so there's just a lot of turmoil going on at Willow Creek. Not really sure how that's going to uh, all sift out. But also this year, 
Um, and this is one that uh, I broke uh, along with a, a couple of bloggers had, had written about this too, but there was um, clergy sexual abuse accused against the um, co-founder of Willow Creek, Dr. Gilbert Bilzekin, often referred to as Dr. B. Uh, a woman came out who had been a longtime member of Willow Creek, said that she had been sexually abused by him. And then this Dr. B was also a professor at Wheaton College, and I found a number of former Wheaton College students who alleged that he had abused them as well and or harassed them. And um uh, He's now been removed from Wheaton College. Uh, he had uh, Professor Emeritus status there. He's been removed from that. And now, you know, the ongoing saga, right? Now, Dr. B has sued Willow Creek for defamation. So that's an ongoing lawsuit there. So it's uh, a story that is not going away um, and we'll continue to report on. Yeah, exactly right. Well, number nine on the list, the controversies also that don't go away, uh, related yeah. to Jerry Falwell Jr. Falwell uh, was uh, eventually um, uh, resigned. I don't know if he was asked to resign. You know, it depends on who you talk to, but uh, he he resigned. Let's just leave it that way. From Liberty University, following accusations of inappropriate behavior that became not just news in the Christian world, but became national news. Once again, Ju Julie, no surprises that he's on this list. No, not at all. And, you know, I think to a lot of us who have grown up in the evangelical church, Jerry Falwell is not who we would look to as a key figure of evangelicalism. I mean, he was very um, noted for saying all the time, I'm not a pastor. So it's not like he really tried to be a spiritual leader, but because he is the president of the biggest evangelical school in the nation, Liberty University, this becomes a huge story nationally. And uh, I think I started reporting on this. In fact, I, I went back and just looked. It was September of 2019 was the first story I published on Liberty. And I remember in the summer of 2019, a former dean came to me and said, Julie, this is one of the most toxic works environments I've ever been a part of. There's all sorts of corruption going on. This is just really bad. You need to report on it. And I remember doing so with some trepidation because you know, when you start reporting on a popular school, a popular uh, president, you're going to get a lot of a lot of pushback. But, you know, again, I think it was a year a year later, so it was just this past August when those infamous photos that Jerry Falwell himself, this is what's so amazing, he brought his, all of this on himself, uh, posting to Instagram these pictures of him with his pants unzipped, with his arms around a woman who was not his wife, and then, you know, the, the sexual scandals just kept coming, and those were in addition to the self-dealing and everything else, and uh, he's gone, but you know what, he sued the school, now he's dropped the suit, but he, he also says he's he hasn't... Um, he hasn't given up on the the chance that he might do it again. And he says he's keeping all options open. So sadly, I think for Liberty, um, they're in the midst of an in investigation as well. So we'll have to wait to see what the results of that investigation will be. But that, um, I, I would put that up. I, again, I haven't weighed these yet uh, and finished my story on the top 10, but I think I'd put that one up a little bit higher. Yeah, well, I totally understand that. We've got it at number nine. And number eight, Carl Lentz, a pastor of the New York City branch of the Hillsong Church, uh, was fired. Yeah, yeah. And Carl Lentz, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I I follow Hillsong, but not really, really closely. I didn't know, like, I knew who Carl Lentz was, but was he a big figure to you? I mean, was this someone you were very aware of and his standing in the evangelical church? 
No, I wasn't, though. Uh, you know, his standing did go up some whenever, um, you know, he, that, whenever he started Bieber? associating with Justin Bieber. Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. right. And so, you know, I guess that's when I when I started uh, following him uh, a little bit more closely, or at least I knew who he was. But I, I will have to say that even though maybe you or I uh, weren't following him, and by the way, I want to come back to that um, uh, idea a little bit later, because there's a couple of stories here that um, surprised me, because I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to him, but clearly others were, um, that, uh, you know, th- th- this story, and actually we did three or four stories on uh, Carl Lentz, and they all, you know, if they, we had one hit the top 10, but we had two or three in the top 20. Mm, yeah, it's a, it was a big story. And it's one of these stories where, again, it it's celebrity, and it's money, and it's fame. And at, and it's also one of those things that now that things are starting to come out, you go, what on earth took so long? Like, I was just looking at some of the pictures Carl Lentz posted on his Instagram account. I mean, some of them I, I look at, and again, you know, my kids make fun of me because my standards are <laughs> pretty modest when it comes to clothing. And But I mean, it's shocking to me that a, that a pastor would, would post the sorts of things he posted on Instagram. But even more than that, now we have some people coming forward and saying, again, these are anonymous sources, but they've been uh, in the news um, saying that that he they had come forward with extramarital affairs and reports of extramarital affairs involving Carl Lentz to the leadership years ago, and they were punished for it. And and this is a pattern that isn't hard for me to believe it happened at Hillsong because I've seen it happen at so many other churches where the whistleblower becomes the one that there's retribution against instead of the person who's done the wrongdoing. So ongoing investigation there as well. That, that's become like, I mean, how many independent uh, ongoing investigations are there right now in the church? There are just so many. Um, and Hillsong's another one. So we'll wait well, to see the, what the results are. Yeah, no, that's right. And you raised a good point. I mean, there's a pattern here. I mean, we and we see it over and over again. I you know, I want to stress that hundreds of thousands of churches and pastors in this country are behaving honorably, mm-hmm. living sacrificially and and I, I I want to make sure that we understand that. But but I'm telling you, whenever there are problems, it's not it's not magic, it's math as I'm fond to say. <laughs> you can just kind of, you know, look and if these conditions, you know, if you start seeing these things in your own, and I think that's one of the reasons Julie that I think it's important for us to report these things because, you know, if you're seeing some of these uh, patterns in your own church or in Christian ministries that you care about, you need to raise your hand because this this is a one-way road. It's It goes, you know, in one direction uh, usually, and um, the only thing to do is to get off of that road, is to raise your hand to try to uh, create some accountability. So I think it's really important that we that we talk about these stories, even though in some sense it is kind of a broken record. Well, let me, just, let me do a couple more stories here before we take a break. Yep. And um, uh, I want to put uh, number seven and number six kind of together. Uh, at least on our list, uh, number seven was the suicide of Pastor Darren Patrick, uh, a well-known uh, sort of megachurch pastor of a couple of different churches. He ended up committing suicide, unfortunately, whenever he was at a church down in South Carolina. And number six was the murder-suicide of a Texas pastor named Richard Logan, not a megachurch pastor, but a pretty well-known guy uh, in the part of Texas he was from, sort of the Houston area, Houston-ish area. Uh, Julie, I think these stories uh, are 
both family and community tragedies, of course, uh, but they really surface some larger issues about both the culture at large, which has been struggling with mental health issues, especially during the COVID crisis. We've been seeing the so-called deaths of despair on the rise in our country, but also in the evangelical culture in particular. And I just wondered what your thoughts are about this. Boy, this one's a tough one, and it's a tough one, um, obviously, because there's suicide involved, and in one case, murder-suicide, just absolutely tragic. And it's hard to talk about, I think, candidly, because it's so tragic and it is so sensitive. Yet at the same time, I'll say uh, the Darren Patrick uh, story is one that I've actually been sitting on a story regarding that for quite some time, still waiting for some people to possibly come forward. Um, But I have some people on the record saying, you know, there's a lot more to this story than's been reported so far. And, you know, Patrick had a pattern ingrained, like years and years long pattern of bullying and deception. And within 16 months, he was preaching at a megachurch. And, you know, Christianity Today did this piece on how he's he's changed and everything's good now. And, and you know what? I've known people with ingrained patterns of these this kind of behavior, and it does not turn around in 16 months or 26 months. And so I think there's another story here. And I think there were some issues that were not dealt with that may have come or were close to coming to the surface. And so I I would just say there's more there and probably more will come out where I don't think it's just a mental health issue. I think there's a bigger issue. And when you talk about culture, I think it speaks again to this celebrity culture and putting people on platforms and wanting to replatform them right away. And I think there's a lot and, and I think there's a lot of instructive kind of conversations to be had around that, but not sure if we're quite ready to have those yet. Um, but I would say on <laughs> Richard Logan's murder-suicide, I don't know of – I mean, this is just one where it just came out of the blue. Um, you know, seemed to be a family man, seemed to be a good pastor, and then all of a sudden this happened um, – I, you know, it's just one of those huge question marks was the pressure of the job and the pressure to protect an image so great that this is what happened. And I don't know, but I'm hoping we have sort of those postmortem discussions that we need to have as a Christian community regarding not just mental health, but I think about pastors and celebrity culture and platforms and, and all of that and being real with one another. I, I hope we have that conversation. Well, I do too. I think that it is uh, long overdue, and I think maybe slowly we are having it. You and I are certainly having it right now, and yeah. uh, maybe, maybe that will motivate others as well. Okay, one more story before the break. Um, John MacArthur and his run-ins with local and state government officials in uh, California over COVID restrictions. We did three or four or five stories on that. Uh, it, the top one of those stories percolated up to number five, but this is probably another one of those stories that could have been four or three or two if we'd measured them a slightly different way. Well, and certainly to the surrounding culture, I think it was a very big issue. I think a lot of non-Christians heard about this story, and when they think of evangelicals, they not just think about us in regard to being supporters of President Trump, but also this year being you know, ones who were angry about the COVID restrictions and even flagrantly violating them the way that uh, John MacArthur did. And there seems to be no middle ground on this story, Warren. I mean, it seems either you're 100% behind John MacArthur and what he did was great, 
or you are just thinking what he did was reprehensible and it's ruining our witness to the surrounding culture. Um, I, I think there's there's valid issues on both sides, you know, regarding freedom of religion, regarding the state telling churches whether they can or can't meet and what they must do. But I also think there's a very valid discussion to be had about our witness to the surrounding culture. And, uh, you know, I know there were actually people picketing at John MacArthur's church from the surrounding neighborhood saying, please don't do this. Don't be spreaders in our community of COVID. And so it, it, it is, it's a tough one and one on which I think a lot of evangelicals strongly disagree. But, um, this story hopefully will go away. Um, I'm hoping yep. with the vaccine, it will be gone. Although there will be repercussions for a long time, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And I agree with you. I hope that with the vaccine, this might be one of the stories that we talk about um, that we won't have to talk about in the weeks and months <laughs> and, and certainly the year ahead. So, well, with that, uh, Julie, we need to take a short break. But when we come back, we'll take a look at the top four stories of the year. Uh, I'm Warren Smith. This week, my guest is Julie Royce, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We'll be right back after the short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Warren Smith with Ministry Watch with my guest this week, Julie Royce of the Royce Report. Uh, Julie, let's pick right back up with the number four story of the year. And this is another story that you played a key role in breaking. It's a story of Ravi Zacharias. Both you and I have written, I, I actually thought thousands of words would be right, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was tens of thousands of words between the two of us yeah. over the past year or more. Um, but very, very quickly, uh, can you give us a kind of a summary of just kind of what happened this year? Yeah, well, I mean, to talk about what happened this year, you almost have to back up a little bit to 2017 when these two major scandals rocked uh, Ravi Zacharias and RZIM. Um, first was a credential scandal for years. Um, Ravi's ministry and his publishers had been publishing that he's a doctor when he only has honorary doctorates. And so this came to light along with the fact that he had claimed to be a professor at Oxford University, wherein the truth is he had never been a professor there. And the truth is he just, he had taught at a school in Oxford, England, but not Oxford University. And so um, a lot of this came to light in 2017, along with a sexting scandal involving a Canadian woman where it was clear that she had sent him nude pictures. But the narrative that Zacharias said was that, hey, listen, these were unsolicited. And it was really just part of this large scheme of this woman, Laurieann Thompson and her husband, Brad, where they were trying to extort money from me. And most of the evangelical community um, bought that narrative and thought, okay, yeah, we believe Ravi over this woman we don't know, right? Um, I was urged to look into this story um, 
probably about a year ago. And Steve Boffman, who wrote a book called Cover Up in the Kingdom, sent me his book and said, please look into this. And it took me a while, but I eventually did. And when I did, I discovered all sorts of inconsistencies with Ravi's story, with the lawsuit, um, and with the Thompsons and things that, that you know, had publicly been said. But I was able to obtain not just emails between Lorianne Thompson and Ravi, because some of those have been published before, but I was able to also talk to uh, Lorianne's counselors who actually were with her when she broke off this relationship with Ravi and told him, we can't do this any longer, and I'm going to tell my husband. And then he sends back these um, emails, which sound a lot like, I mean, he says, going to bid this world goodbye if you do this, urging her not to tell her husband. And they witnessed all this. And for the first time, they were released to speak to me uh, on the record and say, yes, we were a part of this. Her, her story is true. And actually, they said, she's the victim in all this. She was groomed by Ravi. And um, and he took advantage of her, knew that she had been sexually abused, and, and used that as a means of really manipulating her and getting her to eventually send him nude pictures. And so I did a series, actually three stories, um, on that and also showing that they had uh, Ravi had painted uh, Lorianne and her husband as as being in financial trouble and trying to get you know five million dollars from him. When when I researched it and they gave me the Thompsons gave me their tax returns and I looked at it, they had given like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to charity the year the whole sexting allegations came out, and then Ravi eventually sued them for defamation. But that year, they had given $150,000. They're very well-to-do. He never made less than $200,000, owned his own business. He had made a lot more to that other other years. And so this whole narrative began to fall apart. But then, within a few days even of me publishing that story, which began to break that narrative, then Christianity Today published a story um, that, again, was first broken by Steve Boffman, who had wrote, written this book, but a lot of people didn't listen to him because he's an atheist lawyer, and I guess they thought as an atheist he didn't have integrity, but actually I found he has a lot of integrity. Yep. Um, but he had broken this story, but CT was able to speak to some of these uh, alleged victim at spas that Ravi had co-owned. And most people, I certainly until you know recently, didn't know that Ravi co-owned health spas where there were massages given. But several of the massage therapists allege that Ravi sexually harassed and abused them. And then World Magazine did a follow-up story to that and with even more corroboration for um, these spa allegations, as well as the story that I had reported uh, about the Thompsons and their claims that Ravi had actually been a predator in that sexting relationship in 2017. So all these stories happened within you know a matter of a couple of weeks, and then uh, RZIM uh, announced that they're going to do an independent investigation. And then just recently, I published a letter by uh, an apologist with RZIM that said, hey, you have not been telling us the truth all along. You've been withholding information and calling on RZIM to really repent and own this and also uh, pay reparations to some of these victims. So this is, to me, one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story uh, in evangelicalism this year, because Ra Ravi was hailed as the a greatest apologist of the 20, 20th and 21st centuries. And now we're finding out that he may have been a sexual predator and he may have been a fraud. 
And so this is a, a rocking story, I think, for a lot in evangelicalism, but it's one that we've got to face. Well, I think that's right, too. Uh, you know, Ravi, as you say, Ravi Zacharias is, was not a fringe figure. I mean, we can look at some of these guys that are sort of in the prosperity gospel wing of the uh, evangelical world, but Ravi was not. And um, so, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, whenever you, you know, whenever you see corruption around the fringe, you can kind of say, well, we're just going to cut that little piece off of the apple and keep eating the apple. But whenever you see, you know, that kind of corruption in the core, um, if that doesn't cause us as an evangelical movement to do some really difficult soul searching, then shame on us. Shame on us is all I've got to say about that. We've got to keep moving, Julie, unfortunately, because I know you and I could both talk about some of these stories like all day long. But let's keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Number three uh, on the list, uh, and we'll just kind of move quickly past this because I think we've covered a lot of the issues uh, that relate to this story. But number three is a story of uh, Perry Stone. Uh, Perry is a TV preacher who basically said that the stress of running his ministry had caused him to engage in inappropriate behavior. Uh, You know, again, Julie, this story highlights at least the possibility uh, that we should consider that we humans are just not wired for, you know, running these huge mega ministries and mega churches. You and I have both been critics of what we've called the evangelical industrial complex, the star-making machinery of mega churches and mega ministries. Um, so, you know, again, I think we've said about all we need to say about that, but anything really quickly to add before we hit our top two stories of the year? Well, I, I hope that that people are beginning to see this as a problem. And I hear from people all the time who are saying, yes, I, you know, I'm done with the mega church and the mega ministries. And yet at the same time, I see people often go from one mega ministry, right? And they say, oh, that one's bad. And they realize, and then they end up at another one. I don't know how many Harvest people I've talked to who went to Willow Creek or vice versa. And uh, I think we're used to a a model of ministry that's high on entertainment, that's uh, high on an orator that can really grab our attention. And I think we need to start making our ministries about Jesus and not about the giftedness of the people on the stage. And until we do that, we're going to continue to have these problems. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, the top two stories of the year for Ministry Watch, at least, sort of highlight, uh, I guess you could say, the financial analysis that I that, that uh, we try to do here. The number two story uh, is the story that we did on churches accepting payroll protection, COVID relief funds. And the number one story of the year uh, was uh, our list of the highest paid ministry executives, uh, a list that had President Trump's attorney, Jay Sekulow, uh, at the top of the list. He leads the, uh, a Christian ministry called the American Center for Law and Justice. And, uh, you know, Julie, I was struck by the fact that I don't think either of those two stories, I mean, one of those stories is a list that we generated, so obviously that wouldn't, wouldn't be on your side. But the COVID pr- uh, relief fund program, I don't think it was even in your top 10 at all. And um, your top two stories were pretty different. What were they? Well, if if we're looking again, without any news judgment, but simply at the top vote getters or views uh, on my website, one of them was Jen Hatmaker's divorce. And again, to to me, that's not the biggest story. I don't think it has that many ramifications for the rest of evangelicalism. But it was the top view getter on our site, which again, to me, that just speaks of the celebrity culture and that someone who just has a big name and we like to follow their life, I guess, um, becomes the biggest story. And these other stories that have far more ramifications are far more important to the evangelical church get overlooked. Um, 
I, I, yeah, that's just one of those you, you kind of shake your head <laughs> a little bit yeah. that that was the number one vote getter uh, as far as views. Yeah, that's right. And I know at least on our list, that story uh, came in at number 35 on our list of the top page views for the year. So it's a kind of a real different. And you yeah. also had a, oh, actually, a big story. Yeah, you're right. The- that was number two. Jen Hatmaker was number two. Number one was uh, the Naperville Church, uh, Calvary Chapel, that uh, had a COVID. It was a COVID story where uh, one of the pastors was in ICU with COVID, and uh, the senior pastor there said, uh, sent an email to the rest of the staff saying, um, I don't want you to mention this to the rest of the church, but, you know, our, our pastor has COVID. And he th- that pastor ended up dying. A very tragic story. But again, uh, the cover-up that we see at these churches is just shocking. But then here we have a COVID. This is a national uh, a public health issue. And that they would cover up on that particular one is it's really stunning. That was near the beginning. I think that was in February of last year. So it, yep. it was uh, near the beginning of the year that that, that happened. Yep. Well, that's remarkable. Again, your top two stories in terms of page views weren't in my top 10. And my top two stories, I don't think were in your top 10. But there was a lot of <laughs> overlap um, uh, elsewhere. And, and I'd, let me just say, Julie, we've got to bring our time to a close. But uh, uh, it's been, you know, great once again to have you on the podcast. And I also uh, just want to once again thank you for the work that you've done this year. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners know, and of course you and I know very well, that we work uh, closely together even though we're in uh, separate cities and we don't uh, see each other that often. We're communicating on the phone or via email, if not every day, usually at least a couple of times a week. And um, just really appreciate the partnership that we have and the great work that you've done. And and um, so Thanks very much. And let me just ask you, um, what do you, uh, other than the stories that you've already told me, we're going to have that are not over, that we're going to be looking at in 2021, uh, anything else on your radar screen? Um, There are, but not any I'm willing to talk about at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. But let me just say, I just want to reiterate, you know, kind of what you said, the feeling is mutual. And I consider Ministry Watch an incredible ally in this work to bring accountability and restoration to the church. I'm so grateful for you. And I think the fact that we have some different stories that were in our top show that um, both of us are necessary to get all these stories out. And uh, so, uh, and even even with the both of us and, and other people in Christian uh, media, there's still a lot of stories to be reported. So uh, appreciate you and appreciate the camaraderie and, and the generosity with which you share information. And it's just really a privilege to work with you. Well, my privilege as well. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Let me bring us to a close by simply saying that to find out more about the Roy's Report and to uh, read more about the stories that we've discussed today, you can go to Roy's Report, R-O-Y-S report.com. To find out more about Ministry Watch, of course, you can go to ministrywatch.com. A couple of housekeeping items that I want to mention to you. Uh, you, If you rate the program on the podcast app, that helps us. Uh, It helps us to perform better on certain Search algorithms doesn't cost you a dime. It only takes a few seconds, and it really is a big help. Also, both the Roy's Report and Ministry Watch are donor-supported, and you can go to the front page of both of our respective websites and uh, see a donate button there to let you know how you can support us in that way. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database, technical, and editorial support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, Christina Darnell, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith, along with my guest this week, Julie Royce, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you. Oh, and I should say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.